This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, was a dream of, uh, total, total dream of mine. And, uh, the other book, Sefer Zichron, is a little bit later. And, um, alright, so Mr. Shem, next week we'll have the book here. So, today, well, first of all, two little things I want to tell you. I was at a wedding, it's Tuesday night, I was at a wedding, Sunday night. So at the wedding Sunday night, they had strings, violins, and cello um, by the chuppah. Right? Usually you don't have that by the chuppah. They have by the chuppah really beautiful, beautiful chuppah. And they had all these musical instruments. And I happen to be very musical. As you know, I play the drums. But I don't know if that's a musical instrument. It's a bang. But I'm always, I was always very amazed at the beauty that comes out of four strings. I think it's four strings, five strings, four strings. Guitar's five strings, I think. A violin's four strings. I think it's four strings. Uh, what? Guitar six? Bass is four. Bass is four. Right. So, so I was always amazed at, and now I'm going to say I was amazed at guitar, but I was always amazed at strings because they sort of, um, they're the most beautiful music, whether it's a violin or a cello uh, or a harp, right? And and a lot of these musical instruments were played in the bass of Mikdash. Halacha was that when the Kaihanim did the avoid that the Levium had to play musical instruments. So there's a very holy side to music. There's nothing to talk about. Why does why does the carbon have anything to do with a musical instrument? And so it's it's also brought down that the um that the Nevius that the Nevius um Nevium could not have Nevius unless there was music being played. The only one that didn't need music was Moshe Benu. Anyway, but I just want to tell you so I'm writing this I wrote this book on our Satov together for every Finkelman, but so I'm sitting there and I'm Watching them play this violin and it, violins and cello, and it was magnificent. It was like the angels singing. And I'm thinking to myself, they're just strings. They don't really have a sound. If you if you take your tzitzis and you try to you know get a sound out of it, they're just strings. And Akash Bochu created that from strings, nothing, just strings. You pull them tight and put them on a piece of wood. He created this beautiful music, this beautiful sound. It comes out of strings. And I'm sitting there just looking at it and the guy's playing. I'm like, it's amazing. We don't appreciate, we don't appreciate that. We don't appreciate music, right? And just that, that you could take a string. They're blowing a trumpet. They're blowing trumpets. There are other instruments. Okay, it's a mouthpiece and that. But a string to make such beautiful sounds. And they're beautiful. Like cello and violin together is like magnificent. It's just like such a chiddush. It's like a big chiddush. It shouldn't make music. Strings should not be able to make music. Strings don't. Okay, see? There's music. Um, so, anyway, I just was sitting there. I thought that was pretty amazing. So I think in the Hakar Satov book, I think that people are going to realize that things that they don't appreciate, um, they're going to realize that that even strings on a violin is something to appreciate. It's, it's not ridiculous. It's pleasing. Imagine you go to a, a, an orchestra and they have a hundred, a hundred violins playing. It's gorgeous, but they're really just a bunch of strings. That's all they are. It's a bunch of strings. And then you have the guitars are copy. Guitars are, they didn't have guitars in the old days. So, um, I just, just, I, for me that was very big. I was just sitting there and mesmerized the whole chuppah. And I was, until they said my, I, I had a bracha on the chuppah, I was like, oh, I'll be up there in a minute. But there was like, Gorgeous, magnificent. You have to appreciate everything. Okay, anyway, um, today I had an interesting visitor in my office. So a, a girl came to the office um, who's not in school, who's on the street, and she came in dressed very different. I'll use those words. But not, not only not sneeistic, but like very different, like colors, diff- very different. So... I didn't know her. I, I was meeting her because her, her parents asked me to meet her, and so I sat down. And you have to be very careful, you know. You don't have a right to you don't have a right to criticize someone. I have. I got it. You don't have a right to criticize someone if you don't know them, right? So I didn't want to. I wasn't going to start up with her. That's you know. She came to talk to me. Um, I guess she was waiting for me to make a comment. I didn't. There was another boy that came to see me already the second time. Doesn't come in with a yarmulke. He's waiting for me to challenge him. I'm not. Um, he knows that he should be wearing a yarmulke. I don't need to tell him that. Anyway, I don't know if that's going to work. Okay, but anyway, so we got into this discussion. I think just very fascinating. We got into this discussion. Finally, it came up why, like, why you're from a very from family. Um, 
She's not interested in attracting boys to look at her. That's not why she's not showing off her body. That's not why she's getting dressed like this. It came down to why she get dressed like this. Because she is different. That's what she told me. Wallstein, I am not like the sheep in Borough Park. That everybody walks around dressed the same. I am different. I said, that's what this is about? 100%. This is about being different. I said to her, I don't want to, I don't want to break this dream, but you're not different. She said, what do you mean? Everybody in Borough Park, they all wear the same thing, and they wear uniforms when they're in school, and look at me, I don't look like any, I don't look like them. I'm like, you are the same. You have to think about this for two seconds. I told her, you're not different. You are the same as everyone that's different. You belong to a group of people that are different. That in itself is a group of people who are the same. What are they the same? They're the same being different. This whole group says, I'm different. So you're not different than, you, you moved out of one group that's all the same into another group that's all different, and that's what makes them all the same. So I said, now you're all the same with people that are different. Oh, this poor kid, what I did to her today. She's like, hold on, say that again. I'm like, you were the same, and you thought you're going to become different. So you moved from the same people getting dressed the same way to the same people getting dressed the different way. But it's you're not different than the people who are different. So what did you do? Uh, never, she wasn't 195 IQ, but... But she copied, she copied what I was saying. So the people who think, well, I'm different. I'm, um, you know, I'm not going to get dressed like everyone else and I'm not going to be like everyone else. Yeah, you are. You're following all the people that are not being like everybody else. So you're now being like the, all the people that are not like being everyone else. So you're not, you're not, you're not different. Are you following me? You following me? Okay. So that led to a lot. I ended up talking to her for two and a half hours. Well, Hashem, I think we got somewhere. But anyone who thinks you're different should know you're not different. You're being different is really the same as all the other people that are being different. Just something that came up today, something that comes up in the day of my share, I usually talk about. So if you think you're different, you're not. Because there's someone else that's just as different as you, which makes you the same as that other person that's different, which means that you're not different. Got that everyone who's watching it? Okay. Now Mayor's here, we can, we can, we can, we can start to share. Okay. So, um, what I want to talk about, we, we, we're in Elul. This is the month where you have to make the first move. I am to Hashem, I am to my loved one, and my loved one is to me. So this month, we have to make the first move. I am to Hashem. So, the month of Elul, and, and, and how does one make this move to Hashem? Um, recognition of what Hashem does for us is one way to create a... Uh, to create a relationship. Agartha Tov um, creates a relationship because if I know that Mayor did something good for me, then I know that Mayor is giving me recognition I exist. If I didn't exist, if, he, if he's doing something good for me, it means he recognizes that I exist. If he doesn't recognize that I exist, he, can't, he wouldn't do something good for me, he'd do something good for you. So by him doing something good for me, that automatically makes me... Now, if I don't recognize that he did something good for me, then I don't exist. So a kafri tov, a person who, who doesn't admit that anyone, um, interesting tonight, coming out of shul by Mincha, a guy came over to me and says, can I just talk to you for a minute? That's usually like a lot more. And he says, I have a son who's an older boy and, and um, I need your help with him. I'm like, okay, what's going on? He says, um, I give him everything and, you know, he's an older guy and he's working and he's making money. We asked him maybe he could chip in a little bit this summer. We don't have any money for the air conditioning. He has a room, he has the air conditioning going the whole time. And he said, no, you have to do this for me. And his father said, what do you mean? You're an older guy, you're working. What do I have to do this for you? And he's like, no, everything, you have to give me everything. I said, does he ever say thank you to you for anything? He says, no, he says, everything's coming to him. I'm like, I can't help you. He's what do you mean you can't help me? He's dealing with my son. I'm like, a coffee tub, I can't help you. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing to work with. If he says, I appreciate what you're doing, I don't have the money, I'm cheap, I'm saving for my wedding, we could, we could help him. But if he, if he's like, I don't owe you anything, you owe me everything, I'm like, he's like, really? I'm like, I have no advice for you. So, so, yeah, that's a coffee tub, Kastashon. So, so, when, when I, when I have hakarasatov, 
when I appreciate someone what they did for me, I'm, and, and I think it's a very good word, because hakaras means recognition. And if you remember my share on, on Rus, right, she asked Boaz, why are you giving me recognition? Lomahi kirani. Right? And she said, Matzachain, the nicest thing that you did for me is Hikirani, that you gave me recognition. So listen carefully to the words. Hakaras Hatov. So we translate it as recognition of the good, but Hakaras Hatov means that, that, that if you did me a good, then I have recognition. Hakara, I have recognition. So in fact, if I appreciate what you did for me, it doesn't only, it's not only about a good thing that I appreciate what you did for me, but at the same time, I am feeling good about myself because even though I'm saying thank you to you, I realize that you care about me. So it's like a double whammy. So it's a hakara, and if, if I'm a, if I'm, if I'm a coffee toast, I don't know that he likes me or he cares about me or he's giving me any attention. So what Kodesh Baruch Hu, God, when you have a karas hatov to Hashem, you have recognition that he is doing good for you, then, then you know that you count in his world. Today I, I met a lot of kids this week. The girl, she doesn't, she doesn't think that God, God has anything to do with her whatsoever. So I said, I said to her today, I said, I hope you read my book, but because you don't appreciate what he's doing. In other words, I'm sitting at a wedding and I'm listening to violin. And I'm like, thank you, Hashem, that strings make no make music. So, so if God created in the power of a string that has no power at all. Zero. Take a take a spool of string and you can't do anything with it. If he created the power of a string to to, to make music, so so he did it for me. So so if he did it for me, I Rabbi Wallerstein, I cannot say what this girl said that God doesn't know I exist because if I appreciate what he's doing for me, of course I know that he exists. So I think that one of the first steps, not because I wrote a book about it, one of the first steps of I need Ladaidi, Ladaidi Lee, I am for my master, my master is me. That is a relationship coming from appreciating that he did something for me. I told you to do with the flowers with me, with the, with the Erev Shabbos. I, 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 I used to buy the flowers at, uh, on, on Avenue N, Berkhatar, and I know I'm shocked anywhere else. So, I, 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 I'm, I get up every morning, and outside my house, um, Norman, my friend from uh, from months, he came. He's a he's a botanist. He's got estrogen growing in his house, and he's got azov grass from the from the chumish, that from the paraduma. He showed me. It's called he has azov. He really does. He knows what it is. It's called azov, 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 something like that. He has azov grass. He's like got the whole thing going on over there. So he did me a favor. When he came to my house. He planted peppermint. He planted spearmint, and he planted lemongrass. Now, peppermint smells like peppermint, and spearmint like spearmint, and lemongrass, mamish, like lemon. It's amazing. Every morning when I get up, I go out of my house. Before I go to shul, before I do anything, I make a berry, it's baby salmon. I smell, I smell the, the, the peppermint. I smell the, even though it's full of bees right now, they're very busy in there, but the peppermint and the lemongrass, I make a bracha. Because bracha, thank you. Why does the leaf have, have to smell? Now, if you don't stop to smell the leaves, so they're, 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 they're in my garden and I'm not doing it. I'm, they're doing nothing for me. They're doing nothing. But if you stop and you smell a leaf, I'm like, Hashem, you, you made peppermint. Now, peppermint's a leaf. And spearmint gum is a leaf. And, 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 and lemongrass is a leaf. It's just a leaf in the ground, but it has this amazing smell. Who did Hashem make that smell for? The cat? The cat doesn't eat peppermint, right? He did it for me. So when, when I smell that and I make a bracha, I'm creating a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's like, you did this for me. If you did this for me, that means you love me. That means you recognize, forget it, love. It means you recognize me. Which we, and, and, and it's a nice thing. It smells good. It means you love me. So, so the, the Elul is a time where you have to initiate. You have to, you have to initiate the relationship. You have to make, you have to make. Now there's another way, which is a little harder. So there's a relationship from a positive place. Presence. Right, so Hashem and appreciating the presence. So Hashem, you gave me all the, the strings on the on the violin and whatever else, the fruit and the flowers and all that stuff. So that's one way. Then there's another way, okay? Um, and that let, let's let's call this relationship like a marriage. So yeah, if you bring home your wife flowers and you buy her presents and you buy her nice clothing and you buy her nice jewelry, right? That's a way of showing your wife that you love her. 
would be another way of showing your wife that you love her. Not from a buying her and getting her things. What would be another way? What? Coming home on time from work? That's the definitely. So, my wife doesn't like this word, but it's a word. Sacrificing something for her. You want to go to the ball game. She wants to go shopping. You hate shopping. You want to really go to the ball game with your friends. And you're like, for her, you don't make it into a sacrifice because then the person says, I don't need your favors, right? But you say, you know what, today, I don't need to go to the ball game. I would like to go with you shopping. We have a wedding. I want you to buy a nice dress. I want to go with you. I want to be part of the, right? So, so you're sacrifice, you're giving up something for that person that shows that you, that you love them. So taking away something or a bad habit that you have, she's like, you know, please hang up your clothing every night. And you throw it on the floor every night, right? And But you want to show her it's your anniversary or you want to show that you love her and you care about her. All of a sudden you start hanging up things and she's like, now I know you love me. How do you know I love you? How do, how do we know? Because you hang up your clothing. Now, if you would tell somebody that for your anniversary you decided to hang up your clothing, they would look at you like you're out of your mind. Right, but if you always throw your clothing on the floor, and for your anniversary you hung up your clothing, you, you, you're 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 changing yourself, you, which is which is leading me into the what's tonight's share, and you're giving up for yourself something that's also a show that I love you. In other words, you I don't really care if my stuff's on the floor, but you do, and I'm picking it up, for, I'm really picking it up for myself, but it's really making you happy in the end. So I'm sacrificing some, I'm sacrificing some part of myself for you. It's also a show of love. Avraham Yitzchak, was a sacrifice. It wasn't, you know, it was it wasn't the carbon side that showed he loved Hashem. That he could have brought an animal as a carbon, and he did. He brought an aisle. The, the love was that he was willing to give up the most important thing that he had, his football game, on a way higher level. To give up his football game for Hashem, to give up his one kid that he only had for Hashem, so that was that sacrifice showed how much he loved the right, right. So I'm saying, but he, anything that you give up, right? A, a guy or and and a woman gives up also many times things for her husband. She wants him home, but he's sitting and learning, and she appreciates that, right? So she sacrifices time with her husband for that he should learn Torah or. The husband wants to do something with his friends, go play ball, whatever it is. She doesn't want to sit home alone, but right. So she doesn't have to buy him a present. Always, it's 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 giving up something. So, so we have two things we could do really in Elul. We could give up something like maybe a mida. We love to talk lashon hara, or we always come late to davening a whole year round. We always show up by like baruchu. We're never there for Karbanos. Seven o'clock meeting, we show up at 7.18, right? So in El, I want to show you Hashem that I do love you. So in El specifically, right? And there are, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to show up in El at eight o'clock every day. So I'm, I'm, I'm fighting myself. I'm those eight, and I'm giving up my, my sleep. Because, and that, that's one way, that's, that's a way of showing Hakarish Baruch that you love him, right? Or there's a Hakar Satov, there's the positive thing, right? To show that, or give a lot of tzedakah. There, there are these two ways. Now, which brings me really to my share tonight, which is not going to be a very long share because I have a, a meeting that I have to go to, but this is my share tonight. And it's interesting. I, um, I heard a lot of it this morning. And um, so listen to, listen to the Gemara that I was, that I felt was very important that you guys should hear is above Metziah Pehe. And it talks about... Um, it talks about Yisurim, going through pain, right? It talks about a lot of different stories with, with, um, with, with Yisurim. So he says the following. Omar Rabbi. Chavivin Yisurim. Rabbi said, how beloved is suffering. Right? How great is suffering on this world. Kabbal Alai Tleis He then accepted 13 years of suffering upon himself. Shis Bitsmirta, six years of Tsmirta, what was Tsmirta, what kind of disease? A stone in the urinary tract. Kidney stone. Six years! I had it, I've gone through it. I, I have to tell you that I was laying on the floor, rolling in my bedroom, saying to Hashem, please take me to the next world. 
I'm serious. I, I've never felt such pain in my life. They gave me uh, morphine. It didn't help. They took me to the hospital. They hit me with the craziest stuff, painkillers. Okay, so six years he had a kidney stone. He says, The stableman of Rebbe's house, the guy who took care of the horses, was wealthier than the king of Persia. Okay, he was wealthy. The, the guy who worked for Rebbe was well, well, wealthier than the king of Persia. Ramasi Lechaveh, when he would throw fodder to the animals, um, so when he would throw fodder to the animals, the noise of the animals was so loud it would travel three mil. Now, why, why do we care about that? Because the stableman would schedule himself that he threw, listen to this, that he threw the fodder at the same time as Rebbe entered the bathroom. Why? In order to drown out the noises and screams that were made by Rebbe. Nevertheless, says the Gemara, if you hushy, Rebbe's noise exceeded the noise of the animals. The Shamule Nechasayama, the, 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 it's a very interesting Gemara. The sailors in the ocean heard him screaming. That's how painful this was. Okay. Now, the Gemara says, Rav Allah, the son of Rav Shimon, suffered more. Sufferings were more than Rabbi. Why? Because in the in the regard to the son of the son of Shimon, they came through love. They came through love and they left through love. The Rebbe. This is what I want to get to. The the pain of Rebbe, the assume of Rebbe, how did that happen? The reason he was in pain, he was being punished for something that happened. And it, and and the pain stopped because of another story that happened. Okay, so here's where, here's where, and this is a secret of how to be protected in the Yom Aram on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, not to be judged harshly. Okay, ready? Listen to the story. It came a result of an event. Tell me, what's the story? What did he do wrong? Once he was bringing, Rebbe was bringing a calf, a young calf, and they were leading it to the slaughter. It went and hung its head among the folds of Rebbe's garment. The animal somehow must have had some kind of feeling what was happening, so it put its head in under Rebbe's jacket. A little shepherd, a little, a little, a little calf. And it began to cry because it didn't want to be slaughtered. I guess the animal knew. You'll see the chickens by Kapara, I think they know also. Right? Amale, so Rebbe said to this calf, Zilachnatata, go. For this is what you were created for. You were created to be shechted, right? To be on the on the table, lamb chops. Right? So go, don't be don't don't be a baby. Don't cry, little lamb. Right, you know, little lamb, you know. Was it was he actually able to speak them or he said to it. No, he said it to the he said to the lamb. Stop crying to the to the to the calf. Stop crying. This is what you're created for. What are you getting all What are you getting all upset for? Listen to this. Amre, they said in heaven, Since Rebbe doesn't show mercy, let Allah Yisurin let the suffering come upon him. Right? Because there was a little bit of measure of cruelty in, in Rebbe's statement. Not all calves are destined to be slaughtered. Most calves grow up to be oxen, and they end up pulling plows. Right? Um, and then when it can't pull the plow anymore, that's when it's going to be slaughtered. Right? It's also true that all humans will eventually die. So, so, so in Shemayim they held that Rebbe's reasoning is the calf should go to slaughter because it will eventually be slaughtered. The Rebbe's no should go to his death and she will ultimately die. However, they said, oh, so he says, so everything in Shemayim is me to connect me to. So they say like this. You are saying to this calf, what do you mean? You're created to die. You're created to be slaughtered. Right? But really, he, should, he shouldn't have said that to the calf, because not every calf, they grow up, they become an axe, and then they use them, and then when they're too old, they eat them. So in Shemayim, they said, you're also created to die. You're also created to die. Oh, so you know what? Don't cry. You should, you should also die. But in Shemayim, they had a little Rachmanus and Rebbe, not to, not to kill him for what he said to the animal, but they said, you're going to suffer. 
So he suffered because he didn't have Rachmanis, not on a person. He didn't have Rachmanis on a calf. And he made a statement. He made a statement to an animal that he shouldn't have made. He made a statement to an animal that he shouldn't have made. Okay? So that was the result of that event. So how did he get out of the pain? Why, why did Hashem take the pain away? One day, Rebbe's maidservant was sweeping the house. There was a litter, a bunch of baby weasels that were just born. Like little, these little teeny, you ever see weasels? They're like, they're like little, rat, not rats, they're like little hogs, little piggies, whatever. Little weasels, right? Like hamsters. A bunch of hamsters. And there was a bunch of these little babies. And she was sweeping them up, I guess, to kill them. Amalai Rebbe, Rebbe told her, Shifkinho, let them be. The lady looked at him, why should I let them be there? They're not, they don't, you don't want them in your house? He said, because it says in the Pesach, it's written that Hashem shows mercy upon all his creations. Oh, Amre, they said in heaven, now he has pity on these animals. Since he shows mercy, let us show mercy to him. Yeah. So we see from here that if you want mercy in Elul and in Tishrei and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, if you want to have that Hashem should have mercy on you, then you have to show mercy on all His beings and on all people. And there's, there's three Gemaras to prove this. But I just want to tell you a story that I read in the in the Avas Chaim many years ago. Very, very fascinating story. And the story says the following, that Eliyahu Navi, I said this many, many years ago here, but none of you guys were in my shirt at that time. Eliyahu Navi once came to this house, and there were very poor people, and they put him up, he was in his travels, whatever it was, and they put him up, and they gave him a lot to eat, and they gave him a bed, and a candle, and everything that they had to do. And... Um, when he was about to leave, he turned to them and said, you took good care of me. They didn't know he was a Leonavi, but you, anything you want, I'll give you a bracha, Mr. Shem, you'll have. So they said, we don't have children. We don't have children. We're married a long time. We don't have children. So Rabbi, if you can give us a bracha, we should have children. Leonavi said, you don't have children. Hold on a minute. He said, do you have a chicken coop? This is a true story. Do you have a chicken coop? So yes, he said, where is it? In the backyard. Take me to the chicken coop. So they took him to the chicken coop. This is time brings down the story. They take him to the chicken coop. And he looks at the chicken coop. Now the way they had the chicken coop in those days is they would have like on stilts, like a little house, right? And the chickens would be up there. They wouldn't be on the floor. They'd be up there. And there'd be a ladder for the chickens to go down and up in there to play in the yard, but then to go to sleep. Because if they're on the floor, the, the wolves and the dogs are going to eat them and the weasels and all that. So they had to be up. And then you would take the ladder away so the weasel, they couldn't get up there at night. And they'd be safe. This lady, so so he saw that that it was during the day and the, the ladder was not was not from the hole where it was coming, was not there. It was laying on top. So he said to the lady, why don't you have the, it's during the day, why don't you have the ladder on? She said, no, we decided, you know, a long, 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 long time ago, that, you know, these little chickens would come down, to be all over the house and all over the place and make a mess, and they make all over the place. So the big chickens can jump down, right? And little chickens stay up there. And then looked and said to them, that's why you don't have children. He said, said, that's why you don't have children. They said, what are you talking about? He said, the little baby chicks are stuck up there. They can't walk around. They have nowhere to go. So they cry to Hashem, that you don't give them a chance to, to, to live, to walk around, whatever it is. They're stuck up in this, in this little chicken pen, whatever it is. He says, so Sab al So, being that the babies of the chickens are suffering, Hashem's not giving you babies. Mida kenega mida. But if you take this ladder, and you connect it to the thing, and you let them go up and down a whole day, you'll see next year, this time you'll have a baby. As Chaim said, Nataki, he came back the following year, and they had a child. Sab al to a bunch of little chickens, that they can't go down the ladder and run around, that they have to be stuck up there, that's what held them back from having a child. If you want Rachamim from Hashem, you have to be Racham on all his beers. Not only human beings, on everybody. At least I, I, I had this this summer. My grandson walked in 
to my bungalow and he had seven salamanders. That's all they do up there. Sally. They go, Sally's, where all they have the water, it's all the kids. And they had fire salamanders, red ones. So that's like, like not stomach salamander, that's a fire salamander. And they were so excited. And I'm like, take those little salamanders outside, turn over the box and let them live. And these kids are like, but everybody's collecting salamanders. And, and we put water, they had water in there and leaves and, I'm like, salamanders are supposed to live in the woods. They're not supposed to live in a box. So, and, and I told, I told my older grandson the story with the chickens. I said, Salbala Chaim. They're gonna cry to Hashem that you put them in a box. You don't want to be put in a box, ever in your life. So they went outside and then the biggest fight, cause the seven salamanders weren't all theirs. It's like a chevra that was collected. So the other kids were like, no! That's my son. You don't know. You can't ID the Solomon that you found, right? <laughs> anyway, so they, they sort of lost a lot of friends that day because there were no more. And the rest of the summer, I didn't let them. You, you can't take a rabbit and all these things and put it in a box. That's not. It's Sabal Chaim. You see from this lamb. Look at this. Look at this. This little. He, what, what did he do? He didn't hurt it. He just said, "For this, you're created." Boom! You saw him kidney stone for that long, huh? Because he told the lamb. You created to be slaughtered. What? Skunks. skunks. Skunks are very beautiful. If they didn't make a smell, everybody would be wearing skunk coats. Black with a white stripe? Come on. Hashem created them for a reason. I don't know why, but whatever. They wouldn't be here if there was no reason. There are things that carry diseases that you have to kill. Mosquito, you have to kill. Hundred percent. You don't have to go looking for mosquitoes in somebody in, in, in the backyard, but it, mosquitoes bite and it's infectious. You have to kill. They were spraying yesterday. They were spraying the whole flatbush. This truck going around spraying because the mosquitoes are carrying now by whatever it's called. Yeah, so those, those things you have to kill. But like when I was a kid, I, I'm still doing chuvium kippur for. I used to sit with a magnifying glass and pop ants. You know, one day they, they can do whatever they want to me because I won't be able to do anything back. So I'm asking for their forgiveness. But seriously, it's, you, 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 a person who's a marachim is marachim. Tzadikim, they don't go around killing things. They don't go around killing things. You have to be careful. Yeah, if you have a mice in your ha- a mouse in your house, you're not, you can't let them live. You can't. You have to trap them. You have to get rid of them because he's a rodent and he brings he brings disease and other things to the house. But to go out just stop to kill things, I have to say Hashem protected me. I was in a, in a, in a, I went to a, one of the people that I do business with, and he has a house on like a hundred acres in Sacramento. This was like 20 years ago. And he used to hunt pheasant. Pheasant is like a turkey that flies, whatever it is. Anyway, I never shot a gun in my life. I thought it was fascinating. So we went out in his Jeep, and I had a shotgun. And when the, when the pheasant jump, flies up, you shoot him. Now, I told him, I can't, I can't, Kill the bird if you're not going to eat it. That's that's mamish. It's a waste. It's it's, it's matashkas. He says no. He he's a guy. He eats pheasant, whatever it is, because we can't eat pheasant's kosher, but but it can't have a mum. So you can't catch it by shooting it. Then it has a mum in it, whatever it is. Anyway, so I was going to go hunting with him. All excited. I never went hunting. Going to go shoot pheasant, right? So we're, we're driving in this jeep, and the, <laughs> I almost killed him. <laughs> I almost killed the guy. And, and we're driving this Jeep and this bird goes flying up and I'm, I wanted to pull the gun up and then shoot it, but sort of while it was going up, it shot, I shot it. So instead of shooting at the bird, I shot straight ahead. Had there been anyone there, it would, they would have been killed for sure, whatever it was. And I was like, I don't think I should be doing this. And what Hashem, I didn't kill, I never, I never killed, I never shot, I never killed an animal ever in my life. And you have to be very careful, you see, you have to be very careful. You have to be a Baal you want Hashem to rachmim on you. It's, it's such a lesson over here. He didn't do anything to this animal. He just talked a little harsh. So, Allah is kama kama, how to treat your wife and your kids and another person. How careful you have to be, you know, how careful a person has to be what comes out of his mouth. That's for sure. So, so the, uh, um, it's not just one Gemara. It's not just one Gemara for Elul. Let's go further. It says the following. So here, this is a story. This is a story. This is a Gemara Kuf Nun Aleph in Shabbos. 
Kuf Nun Alf in Shabbos. And he says the following. Ravchia said to his wife, this was his house, his wife, Ki anya, when a poor portion comes to the door, don't say Tati's not home, right? When a poor person comes to the door, Agmile Rifta, be quick to offer him food. Now this is what he told his wife, so that others may be quick to offer bread to your children, when they are beggars. Amraleh, she said to him, Malait ka laitis lahu, are you cursing our children that they should become beggars? Amallah, he said no, he said to her, Kara kak siv ki biglal hadava hazeh, that is written, that biglal for this matter, that the Bryce was toward the camera of Shemal, galgal hu shechayzabu poverty, being poor is a wheel that revolves in the in the world. Sooner or later, everyone becomes poor, or it it, it goes from the reason that um, the reason that it's called zuzim. Money is called zuzim because money goes from one to the other, one to the other, one to the other. So he wasn't cursing her. He was saying that if chas v'shalom happens, right? Me the connect me. Everything's me the connect me. you take care of poor people, one day they'll take care of you. This is the connection to what we were saying. He will bestow upon you rachem and pity and compassion, right? Whoever is compassionate, anyone who is compassionate toward God's creatures, Hashem will show him compassion. And whoever is not compassionate toward Hashem's creatures is not going to is not going to be shown compassion from Hashem. So it's very, very much mida, mida, kenega, mida. So whoever is kind to the poor, right, um, then, then our Kajbach will be kind to you. And if you're not kind to the poor, I had it this morning in Shul, and it, there was a whole group of people who came to collect it. I'm, I'm sure you guys met this group, and they really don't look Jewish. There's like five guys, and, 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 and they, they look very, they, and they don't, they, you know, one of the, one of the things I watch in shul is do they say your main, like middle kedusha, they keep walking around, so they have no idea about anything. So, the mamish, the mamish didn't look Jewish, and I didn't give them. A lot of people didn't give them. And, um, I didn't give them right davening. Today it was Shechidish, whatever it is. When I walked out of shul, all five of them were standing there. And I said, like, I didn't give them. I said, like, I, I, and, and I took it, I gave each one a quarter. I mean, I took out a dollar, I got changed, whatever it was, and they were like, thank you, thank you, thank you, whatever, from wherever they come, they were thanking me, and, and, I, I, because I knew this, I was giving a shit tonight, and I'm like, so let's say they're not Jewish, but Kalam Arachim Alabrios, it says, it doesn't say Kalam Arachim Yisrael, it doesn't say whoever has pity on Kalai Yisrael, it says whoever has pity on Hashem's creations. These five guys are Hashem's creations. They're collecting in shul, so I'm not giving to them as Jews, because I don't think they are, it doesn't make a difference, but the Marachim Alabrios, they're, they're, they're what's it called? They're, they're Hashem's creations. It's, it's a very important thing in the month of El to be very careful because we're preparing for our judgment. It's like 30 days before court, you have to prepare your papers. So we're preparing our papers. You have to be very careful. The Yitzhakan wants to come to Hashem and say, this guy has no pity. Why are you having a pity on him? So there's a lot of tests. I think that I felt this morning was a big test. A big test to everybody in Shul. And whoever didn't give them made a, may have made a mistake. Because we're thinking you have to give Jews, but even if they're not Jews, call Marachim what we are. You have to give them also. What? It was a very weird group. So, like, I think they're used to not getting whatever. It's a very, it was a very, very different kind of group. All right. So that's the chesed relationship with God. What's the sacrifice relationship with God? Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, Yud Zayin Amud Aleph. Okay, if you want to look it up, he says the following. Very short tomorrow. I'm telling you, very short tomorrow. The Gemara says, Rava Omar is underneath this. Rava Omar. Rava Omar. Where are you? Oh, here it is. Okay. He says the following. Rava said, 
So this is the, this is the other side, okay? Anyone who goes against his nature, it's the best way to say it. The heavenly Bezdin releases you from all your sins. Whose transgression does he pardon? Now, this is a very fascinating Gemara that most people don't know. Now, listen to what he, listen to what the Gemara is saying, boys. The Gemara is saying the following. It says, Right? We translate it, he, he pardons transgressions and he overlooks sins. No, the Gemara is saying no. Who does Hashem forgive their sins? One who overlooks the sins that people did to him. The Lord splits, splits it. So he says, who does Hashem forgive? Only a person who forgives when somebody does some, something to him. Listen to this story in the Gemara. Rav Huna of Yeshua Chalash. Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua. Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua, became very sick. Allah Rav Papa Lushalbei. Rav Papa went to see how he's feeling. Chazid the Chalash Omar. Rav Papa saw that he was at the brink of death. He saw that Rav Huna was dying. So uh, he said to the people there, Zavata, supply him his provisions for his w- trip to the next world. What does that mean? Get ready his tachrichim, his shrouds. Lusayf ispach. In the end, Rav Huna recovered. Rav Papa was embarrassed to see him. <laughs> Rav Papa told everyone, he's, he's out of here. Get him his, uh, get him his, you know, tachrichim. And now the guy is alive and jumping around. So he was very embarrassed. You know, he, he already passed the death sentence on him. So when he saw him, Amale in Hachihave, was I right that you were about to die? Amalehu, so when I said to him, yeah. The last minute, God, blessed be he, the heavenly, came to Bezin and he said, since he does not stand on his principles, he is tolerant of when other people hurt him and do things wrong. It's not easy to be tolerant when people don't treat you right. Right? It's not easy. But since he was Marvel Midaisov and he he was very tolerant when people didn't treat him right, so Hashem told the, the heavenly court, do not take a strict hand stand against him. Shanama, Noise Avon, you know, pass over the sin for Eva Pesha because he overlooks what other people did for him. So he's, he told him that, that he said to him that, that that's what saved me. What saved me, I was supposed to die. You were right. What you saw was correct. I was supposed to die. But God interfered and said, this man, he, he forgives everyone that hurts him. So we have to forgive him. And he sent me back to this world. Imagine, that's the kayak of... of, of of forgiving people who hurt you. Alright, I have to work on that. This tomorrow is for me. Really, because I'm, I'm dealing with someone that, that I have to let go and I'm not letting go and I, this tomorrow is for me. You have to forgive, even if, even if you're 100% right. We spoke about this last week. You have to let it go. Look at this. Saved his life. Now it's very interesting. The question is, but not always. So when you heard the story, the Gemara says, listen to this, Amar Abachabachanina, said, yeah. I hear you, but Alya Ukoitzba. There's a fat tail. Alya is a fat, the tail of the animal. It's fat. I don't know if you've ever, it's, it's got a, people love the tail. It's, it's, it's got a value. Not us. We don't eat the tail, but it's, it's very fat. He says, yeah, but there is such a thing as a fat, as a, as a fat tail that has a thorn in it. So what was he saying over here? Right? So he was saying that yes, it's good that, it's good that he forgave the, the people who hurt him. But not always is that a good thing. Sometimes it has a thorn in it. How could it not be a good thing? So Gemara asks, right? So Gemara answers, ah. Rav Huna was a tzaddik. Because it says, a chasad masav. Right? So he says the following. He says, there are, there are two people that forgive other people that hurt them. One is the fat 
tale, so let's say a good person. So because he's a tzaddik, he forgives. But there's another guy that is so haughty, he's such a big shot, he's like, I don't care what this guy, I don't care what he does to me. He's a nobody. So he's forgiving him because he's not, he's not even, he's not a blip on his screen. Him? He said something about me? Him? He's a nobody. So not always when a person doesn't let someone who's saying bad about him hurt him, and he lets it go, it's coming from a good place. Sometimes it's coming from a very bad place. Him? I care what he said? He's a nobody. That's the thorn. That's the thorn in the fat tail, he's saying. So he said, but Rav Huna was a tzaddik. And the reason he forgave everybody else wasn't because he because he thought he was so great. It was just the opposite. He was marvel midai stuff. He was like, okay, no, so he did this. My father had that need. My father very much. My father, when he passed away, so he didn't leave me a uh, he didn't leave me a will. But what he did is he his safer that he used to always use was mom lawyers. Every shower he went mom lawyers, mom lawyers, mom lawyers. So after he passed away, after the shiva, I was collecting, putting away his svarim. We were dividing the svarim, and I opened up his mom lawyers, which is on the whole chumash. And in the mom lawyers, he underlined the important things that were to him. So it wasn't a will, but in all the years, he used to underline. One of the things he underlined, and he like put stars next to, was that nobody can hurt you in this world. Nobody can steal from you. Nobody can insult you. Nobody can physically, bodily hurt you unless God signed off on it. So that person is only a shliach. And that was my father. So anyone that any, anytime someone did something to him, he, he went and tried to figure out why Hashem, why Hashem did this. If someone stole, if something was stolen from him, he would say, you can't steal from me, only if God wanted me. You're the shliach, because you're not a good person. So he picked you as the shliach. When you want to murder someone, who do you hire? A murderer. You don't hire a palm. Hire a murderer, right? So when Hashem needs something to be stolen for whatever reason that Hashem, you're being punished, so he has to send you a ganav. So the guy's a bad guy, don't get me wrong. But to be angry at the guy, no, the guy, the, guy, the, the mamlea says, nobody could touch a hair on your head. A hair on your head. Unless Hashem signs off. So if a guy walks up to you and says, you slams you in the face, you need to know that that came from Hashem. My father always spoke about this and it was underlined in his mom layers. And if you, if you understand that and you realize that, then you understand that, that you can't get yourself really upset. There, there's a, a rehab that we were so excited about and we were like, whatever, I don't want to get into it on, on camera, but we were, we were gonna buy it and it was, it was mamish bechinam and, 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 and we were so excited and it was the perfect, it was the dream, it was everything. And then they told us that, yeah, you and whatever they asked, they, they asked the price, we agreed. We didn't ask for a lower price. So the deal was supposed to happen, and they decided that, uh, yeah, somebody else who was a friend of the, whatever, make, make a long story short, it didn't happen. So the people that were with me were very upset. Like, we're trying to, we're trying to do this for our girls and help Hashem's kids, and I'm like, hey, they can't buy this unless Hashem wants them to buy this. So the interesting part is that we were going to buy a different place originally, which was a teeny little place with a little broken down horse farm, which I was all excited about. And this woman was selling it, and I was very interested in it. And she said she's going to sell it to me. And then I didn't get back to her. And when I finally got back to her, she said, oh, somebody went to contract. I'm sorry, you can't have it. And I was like, what? Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you tell me? I was so upset. It was eight acres with the horse farm. And I said, all right, so I couldn't do it. So I said, okay, we'll go weiter. Then all of a sudden I found a place that was 20 acres. Same price. 20 acres with a horse farm. I'm like, thank God that I didn't buy that other place. That's, you know, 20 acres. So now I was happy Hashem did that. But then the last thing I found was 135 acres for less than the 20 acres. I was like, yes. Now I know why the 20 acres didn't work. Now I'm at 135 acres, and that didn't work. That's the one that these people, so the people that are with me are like, really, it's a rough, and I'm like, don't, hello. We were going to buy 16 acres, then we were going to buy 20 acres. Now we're at 35. Maybe Hashem, I don't know, maybe he's got like 2,000 acres waiting for us in Montana somewhere. I don't know what he's got. But if you, if you believe that nothing, it, it makes your life so much easier. Nobody can hurt you. Nobody can hurt you. That's the, that's the Maval Midaisa. That, that, if, if you're Mavra Amidaisov, if you go against your nature, that means you believe in God. 
So if you don't believe in God, if you slap me, I'm slapping you back. If I don't believe that, you can't do anything to hurt me unless Hashem signed off. So what, you know what I mean? What, what am I going to do? That's, you know? Then, then if, if, if I believe that, 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 I, that you just did it to me, random, then there's no God. But if I believe that everything that happens, if I lose money or I make money of, you know, the pot and spot I wanted, someone just rolled in, whatever it is, you, and you come to the realization that because Baruch is behind everything, then it's much easier to live your life. Nobody can hurt you. It's, it's even different than that. Gamzul Taiva means, there's two, there's two different levels. Gamzul Taiva means, this hurts, ow, but in the end, I'll see that it's going to be like a needle and it's going to be medicine, it's going to help me, but it hurts. The, the person that's on the real level, it doesn't even hurt. Like you stole my hundred dollars, who cares? It was supposed to be, it's not, it wasn't my money, Hashem took it away from me. That's a whole different level. That you stole my hundred dollars, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just lost a hundred dollars, but everything, that's one way. The other way, on a higher level is, you think you stole my hundred dollars? You didn't steal nothing. You're the shliach of Hashem that took my hundred dollars, but I was supposed to lose, I'm not supposed to have this hundred dollars. That's a higher level, a higher level in Amuna. So, re, so really what in, encompasses this whole shit tonight, Going into Elo, what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that there are two ways, in my opinion, there are two ways to connect in Elo. Anila Dei Dei Li is a very beautiful relationship. It's, I'm to my loved one, my loved one is not Anila Hashem Hashem Li, Anila Lokim Alokim Li. It doesn't say that. It says Anila Dei 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 Li. It could have said Anila Hashem, it's the same Lamed. We could use the Russian table and say Anila Hashem, right? Hashem Li. We do the same thing, right? No. It's 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 a loving the way the way the way Shlomo Melch uses daidi. It's it's a it's a relationship of love. So in Elul is a very special different relationship. And by the way, it's a setup. It's a perfect setup. Hashem is brilliant. What's Hashem doing? Why why, why is Anila daidi Because because once we create that relationship, the, the the father who's the judge or the husband that's the judge. And someone that he loves is standing in front of him. Of course, he's gonna, of course, he's gonna judge them differently. So, the, so, the, so the Torah was telling us, Aniludaydi Chazal telling us, develop the relationship so that when you stand on Rosh Hashanah, you're not a stranger, but you're you're a daydi, you're a daydi, you're you're a loved one. Once you're a loved one, it's a whole different case. So, because Baruch was saying, like in this month, develop relationships. We develop relationship, then then my midas hadin can become midas harachamim because of who you are. You're my loved one. I'm not judging my loved one. But, you know, I told you there's three bezdins in Shemayim after a person dies. You can go to one of the three, a God's bezdin, Rabbi's bezdins, or Angel's bezdins. In the Angel's bezdins, everyone comes out guilty. In the Rabbi's bezdin, half and half. In God's bezdin, whoever goes into God's bezdin, comes out 100% always innocent. So, so they ask, as I talks about this, what is, what is the difference between the three? Malachim have no pity on humans. What, what, you're treating God like that? They want to, they, they have no pity. So you're guilty. Rabbanim, depending on what you did, they understand your generation. So that depending on what you did, but in God's bezdin, these are—he's the judge, and you're his child. So of course you get your innocent. He will find—he will find a loophole. So it says, so how do you get? How do you know where you're going? This is like this: a person who's a daidita Hashem, a person who's very close to Hashem, his whole life has a relationship with Hashem. So, so he has a right to go to Hashem. But if, if a person who doesn't, who did not have a relationship with Hashem, where you, where you go, now you coming to my bezdin? Now you're calling me? Now you want to see me? Because now you're being judged? Nah. Rabbis of your generation will judge you. But a person who made fun of the rabbis in our generation and talked Lashon Hara about the rabbi of the shul and the rabbi of the town and the rabbi that got up and spoke about Zumba and made fun of all the different rabbis because they're right-wing and they're prehistoric and they're all these other things. So you can't come into the rabbi's courtroom. You made fun of us. Why should you come to our courtroom? So go to the angels. Kuloi Chayev. You're not coming out of there. So he says, specifically, the person who has a very close relationship with Hashem, he gets into that. But even if you don't have a relationship with Hashem, that's why the mission says, Asay L'Charav. If you have a Rebbe, you have nothing to worry. I mean, it's 50, it depends what you did, but that Rebbe will try to fight for you. And, and then, you know, there's, there's, we learned the Rebbe goes even to Gehenna and pulls out his, will pull out his Rebbe. But the guy who makes fun of rabbis, and makes fun of all their ideas, and they're stupid, and they're old, and they're, they're, they don't know what they're talking about. So the rabbis, the malachim, the rabbis, they say, you, you talk about this rabbi, you went home from shul, you always talked about the rabbi and the shul bad? 
you can't go. Everything's media connected media in the world. It's scary in the next world. So if you talk bad about rabbis, you're not getting into the rabbi's world. If you're not close to God, because you, you want, you're not getting to his president. So you got to, you got to, you got to hang out. You got to go to the angels, and that ain't going to be a good scene. That ain't, and if you talk bad about the angels, I don't know where you're going. But most of us don't talk bad about angels. Okay, I'm trying to end with one thing that is amazing. Listen to this, and we'll end. I said it this much this Shabbat. I might have said it last week. I don't think so. I don't think I said it last week because I saw it on Shabbos. No, guys, you have to hear this. It's about it's about Shabbos. Yeah, I should have started with this. Whoever's watching this, you got to hang on one more minute. So my, I don't know about Chassidim. You can tell me about Sfardim. My minig Friday night is to say Shalom Aleichem Alchei Shares, Vayachem Shalom, Bruchunil Shalom, and Tzeisel Shalom. My father-in-law's minig was not to say Tzeisel Shalom. Not to say goodbye to the angels. So, I don't know if that's Hasidish or where that came from. It's the Grah. I know the Grah, right? Why should you say goodbye to the angels? You want it to stay in your house. So, the reason that's brought down is, so why do I say Tzeisel Shalom, right? Is that you're saying goodbye to the week. They, the, 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 from Shul, the weekday, the weekday angels, you're saying bye, go back, and the Shabbos, Shabbos angels come. I saw in Rav Shimshim Pinkus' Sefer, this Shabbos, something that was mind-boggling. I want to end with this. And he says the following. He says, why do we say Tzitzim Shalom? Right? Like my father-in-law doesn't. Why, why do you say goodbye? You have angels in your house. Why, they came home, why, why do you say goodbye? So he says, that it's brought down that in the base of Migdash, when the Kayin Gadol, went into the Kedush Kedushim. So it says, Levada, he had to go in by himself. We know the Kohen Gadol goes by himself. Who is he going with? He's only only one allowed in there. So it's brought down in the Yalkut that the angels that are in the Kedush Kedushim all the time by the Shekhinah, they have to leave. Right? So Levada means that the only one in the Kedush Kedushim with Hashem is the Kohen Gadol. Normally, the Malachim are there. No. Because it's a Yichud. On Yom Kippur, it's a Yichud. Alone, king and the, the king and the queen, so to say. Kleistrel, that's it. So, so Rav Shimshim Pinkus said, when a person comes home from Shul, and he comes home with the Malachim, and he sings, Shalom Aleichem, and Bayechem Shalom and Bechun Yishalom. But now, I'm going to make Kiddush. And when he makes Kiddush, right, he makes Kiddush, that's the beginning of the Yichud of Klai Yisrael with the Kosh on Shabbos. Rishim says there's no, no Malachim allowed in the house. It's Yichud. And therefore, we say, sorry, but now we're like the Kohen Gadol and the Kodesh Kedoshim and the rest of Shabbos. We'll see after Havdalah, but the rest of Shabbos is just us and you. That's, that's what Shimshim Pin, it's in the Sefer. That's what he says, that's the holiness of Shabbos. He explains why Goyim or a person who's trying to become a ger, he's not allowed to keep Shabbos because he's Chayv Misa. Right? A guy who keeps Shabbos is Chayv Misa. So they remember that guy that was here, lady, whatever? So he used to flip on a light for a second. So when someone's becoming a ger, he's not allowed to keep Shabbos. Until he becomes a ger, he's not allowed to keep Shabbos. So Bekash is asked, I don't understand. He's allowed, they're allowed to eat matzah, keep Pesach, shake Lulav, put on tefillin, wear tzitzes, you can do everything. Just can't keep Shabbos. Why not? What's, Shabbos is very nice. Just the opposite. Is the one thing they should be able to keep is Shabbos. So, Rav Shimshim, this is a desire, and this Rav Shimshim, that since Shabbos is Yichud of the Malka and the Melech, so, he says, if the Malka and the Melech, the desire brings it down also, if the Malka and the Melech are in their bedroom, together be Yichud, and a servant would walk in, in the middle, or for this, he's finished. They're going to hang him. What are, you, what are you doing? Walking to the king's bedroom? So he says, Shabbos is a Yichud of Klai Yisrael and Hashem. A guy is going to keep Shabbos. He's walking into their, into their Yichud. That's what Shabbos is. So, Halavai, we would understand that that's, that there's not even room for Malachim. There's definitely not room for texting and movies and, 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 and phones on Shabbos. That's for sure. But there's not even room for Malachim. So my bracha to everyone, everyone who's watching, the Bezrat Hashem, the Shabbos that we're all waiting for, the Shabbos of Mashiach, and we're talking, going to have a Yichud, and there'll be no one else but us and HaGadosh Baruch Hu. I was just at this wedding, and then people think I'm weird, and this, um, this time, Baruch Hashem, I, 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 I got a chance to look at this, and I always look at, um, right after the, the, 
Chassid breaks the glass and they lift her veil and they look at each other for that second before everyone charges and jumps on them it's like this is a certain look it's like just the two of them even though the, the minute you break the glass nah, 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 everyone's jumping but there's like one second if you ever watch this then when they, cause until then she's wearing a veil they pull up the veil and they just look at each other and smile and there's no one else in the whole world it's just the two of them even though people are jumping there's music there's a thousand people in the Chopa room there's like this one look like for a second then they're grabbing and their mother's kissing them and their father's whatever it is that one second and I try to chop that one second because when Mashiach comes that's how God is going to look at us and how we're going to look at him and it says that on the way up to Yushalayim all the Goyim the whole, all the game in the world are going to be on standing on the side and we the Kala Kalei is going to be walking up and it's going to be that look there's going to be Goyim and noises and who knows what's going to be going on screaming and yelling right but the Jewish nation and God for them it's just going to be the two of them Everyone in this room, everyone watching, and Gantz Klai Israel should be zeichet to see that in Mitzvah Shem Mekarev. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.